Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that was refused to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 29th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two. And our, my, our goal, my goal, everybody's goal should be to preserve the greatest country on the face of the earth, to promote God, family, and country, and to protect life, liberty, and property. We do it using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. The checks and balances is brilliant as well. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions that we have at our fingertips. Wow, you don't do very well after you've taken a day or so off, huh? Yeah, talking uh, seems to be a tongue twister. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. I had a delightful weekend full of God, family, and country. Hopefully you did as well. And by the way, as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Our website's libertyroundtable.com. That's our radio show site. LovingLiberty.net, that's our nationally syndicated radio network promoting the broadcast. LovingLiberty.net. Tell everyone you know, would you please? Share the love, if you will. All right. Without further ado, a quick recap of Saturday's show. John Hopkins School of Medicine, Professor Dr. Marty Macri, I think is how you say it, he blasted public health officials, just blasted them. Why? For dire predictions on the spread of cocoa. Yeah, on COVID-19. He said, believe it or not, may have caused a whole lot of loss of credibility with the public. Yeah, this guy's saying, you know what? You're just telling everybody how horrible the corona is and how, you know, you're just doomsday stuff. It's got to stop. Amen to that reality check. Former CDC director, Robert Redfield, COVID-19 came from a Wuhan lab. And it started months earlier than we realized, more like October, November range, maybe even September, October range, he says. He says, I'm a virologist. I spent my whole life in virology. Art Moore with the story, WND.com. Now, the reason this is interesting is the mainstream press attacking poor Robert Redfield relentlessly right now. Saying he, you know, makes these speculations without any evidence, da 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 da. But the funny thing is that they go on in the rest of the story and they say we believe that it came from a, you know, it jumped from animals to man via some kind of a wet, you know, farmer's market or whatever of meat and all this kind of stuff. They don't have any evidence or proof of their claims either. Wait a minute. Well, they say theirs is more likely than the other. Uh huh. And you're going to trust them on their more likelies. These are the people that have lied to you and told you not to wear masks, then to wear masks. They've lied to you and said six feet needs to be the rule for distancing. And then they say, well, it could really be three feet a year later. These are the people that tell you vaccines are safe and effective and they're not even vaccines at all. They're medical experiments on the whole world. I mean, this is the insane part, right? All right. We thought we'd bring that to your attention. Twitter says that it will not remove Melania's naked pictures. That's the former president's wife. Twitter will not remove Melania, the first lady's naked pictures, 
from the internet, which were posted by Cardi B during her Twitter feud with Candace Owens. Candace says, I am 100% suing Cardi B. The whole thing's just a fiasco. So you take Sam Bushman off of Twitter because he won't toe the line on your vaccine lies. But, hey, the battle between this perverted Cardi B and dragging the first lady and naked pictures in the middle of it, that's all fine to leave up on Twitter, don't you know? What a shame. Parler claims that it repeatedly warned the FBI about threats well ahead of the January 6th riots that took place on the Capitol. What do you think about that? Parler did warn the FBI, but the FBI simply ignored all those warnings and now wants to blame social media as the cause. But of all the purveyors and promoters of these things, Facebook is used as a great organizing tool for a lot of the violence and riots and pillage and plundering that takes place across America. How come Facebook not really in the crosshairs? Mark Zuckerberg and crew at Facebook donating millions and millions of dollars to political campaigns and agendas to manipulate votes and there's no real accountability. Just have those guys get up there and grandstand in Congress and then walk away with no accountability and, and no responsibility whatsoever. It's a waste of time. It's political theater. But what do you expect? The Department of Homeland Security, for example, employing big tech to spy on the American people through social media. Yeah, I guess they're using lists of contractors to compile list of businesses, writes Bob com. Yeah, so there you have it. No wonder they don't want to get back at Facebook. Big tech is being used to spy on the American people, so you can't be too hard on the folks over at big tech. They're helping out quite a bit with the government's crackdown on normal life and the violation of, what, all the amendments we hold dear? Yeah, they say, don't worry, we're doing this in a very mindful way, a very careful way that's mindful of privacy and civil liberties because it's focused on narratives, not people. That's a lie. And what's the narrative you guys paint that all conservative constitutionalists, all heterosexual males are racist and, and haters and, and, and really committing insurrections with Donald? Is that your narrative? You lying thieves? Uh-huh. I get it. See, it's the narrative that's the problem because it's not the truth. Okay? You can't take a whole bunch of people and paint them with a broad brush like that. That's dishonest and immoral to say the least. Right? Don't they say thou shalt not bear false witness? Thank you very much. All right, they say that violent, domestic violent extremism poses the most lethal, persistent terrorism-related threat to our homeland today. Uh-huh. I think the government's involved in some of the greatest domestic violence acts of all time. Yeah, the Department of Homeland Security is working with state, federal, local, tribal, and non-government partners to address this threat. And all of our efforts are carried out in close coordination with our privacy, our civil rights, our civil liberties experts, they say. Uh Uh-huh. Do you trust your government on that one, ladies and gentlemen? I certainly don't. We had our guest on Richard Mack, second hour on Saturday, founder and president of CSPOA, the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officer Association, works with local law enforcement, especially sheriffs, to have the people get involved in backing their sheriffs. CSPOA.org, become a lifetime member today. I am. We also talked about Cuomo is upping National Guard presence in New York City airports, and they have screened more than 456,000 airline passengers since starting their mission to help the New York State Department limit 
the spread of the cocoa, they say. Wow. 500 soldiers and airmen are helping at 12 airports across the state of New York. Folks, this is literally crazy. You've literally got the National Guard on the airport making sure people comply with cocoa requirements at the airports. It gets worse, as our guest will articulate coming up on your radio. Now, believe it or not, 70% of employees in America, at least according to the polls, if you believe them, they want COVID-19 vaccines mandated, required before people return back to offices, they claim a survey shows. The American people are ignorant enough to trade their security. I'm sorry, to trade their liberty for security. They're going to wind up with neither. Don't trade your liberty for security. But 70% they claim are ready to go. Can employers make the COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory? Can government make the COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory? They're saying the answer is yes. Lawmakers, believe it or not, are calling on Joe Biden to make COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory. Yeah, you got to ask the question, hey, doc, will I need proof of vaccination? Yeah, you may need a COVID-19 vaccine passport to travel in 2021. We will get to that as the broadcast unfolds today. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg gave $350 million, not to a specific political candidate, but directly to government-paid election officials in hand-picked Democrat strongholds in an effort to, listen, increase targeted voter turnout. So literally fraudulent money put into campaigns just to manipulate elections and zero accountability for Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. We're talking about the legislation HR1 will undermine our elections and make these problems significantly worse. We must stop this bill in the Senate, writes Matt Staver, Liberty Council. I'm telling you, it is a disaster bill. It is designed to put Democrats in power for every future election, many say. Could the grid handle a boom in the electric cars, USA Today? I talked about it, and I don't think so. They say, oh, we can handle it, no problem. I say they're lying to you, folks. They cannot handle an electric spike like that. Just ask the Texans if you don't agree with me. Just ask the folks that in California have had massive blackouts and brownouts and everything else for quite some time. Just ask those people if you think I don't know what I'm talking about. But don't worry. All the experts tell you that it's going to be just fine if we move everything to electricity. But literally a 300-mile charge for one of those vehicles equates to powering your house for like several days. And they say we have plenty of electricity Don't worry, Sam. You guys are off your rockers crazy. Just get rid of all the reliable sources of electricity. Shut down all the coal-fired power plants and everything else, and then run around and go, we have plenty of electricity, Sam. Are you guys off your rockers? Wow, there you have it. All right, that's the recap of Saturday and the news that the networks refused to use. We covered straight to our guest when we return. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. I am Sam Bushman. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, 
breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My brother and two other boys were the ones that got in the car with her, and she was drunk. The road that goes to her house is, like, really windy, and she was taking that road at 80 to uh, miles per hour, and it hit into the road barrier. Her door flung open. She ran out across the street to get away from it, and the other three boys were trapped in it, and the car exploded, and then my mom found out about it, she called me at work. I don't care what you have to do, just get up here to the hospital. I parked my car and I went inside. And they took us back to this little room. My mom told me that Jake had been killed. And I, I lost it. The other people were like, well, you can drink, but just be careful when you drink, you know? So I don't want anything to do with it because it took my brother away from me. A public service message from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, Lowell Nelson, campaign for liberty.org. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Oh, great to be back, Sam. Thank you. We got a serious call to action, and it must be taken seriously now. Well, and that's the uh, the legalized election theft bill, HR one. You you mentioned it Saturday. I'm mentioning it again today. It must be important. It is important. This is a bill that federalizes, um, nationalizes presidential elections. Um, now, the elections of senators and representatives is squarely played, the responsibility for those elections is squarely placed on the legislatures of the several states. That's uh, it's called the uh, Times, Places, and Manners Clause of the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. Now, Article 1, the whole article deals with the legislature of, of the uh, you know, U.S. Senate and U.S. Congress. The U.S. House, which comprises Congress, that Article One talks about representatives and senators, and says, the, "quote The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof." Comma, and then comes a subordinate clause, Sam. But the Congress may, at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations, end of quote. Now, the, rep, the authors of H.R. 1 are using that subordinate clause to justify their irrigation of uh, immense power. 
they're undermining the power of the state. They're arrogating this power unto themselves. They're saying we get to, to determine the times, manners, places, and manners of, of, of the election of our senators and representatives. Well, that is not at all what the framers wrote when they wrote this clause into the Constitution. The, um, you know, the, the main clause, as I said, is that the times, places, and manner is decided by the state legislatures. That is the main clause. And this proviso, this subordinate clause, this proviso was contested strongly by, at the time the Constitution was debated and ratified. It was publicly debated, this proviso was. And there were numerous people that said that proviso has to be eliminated. Uh, they wanted it taken out. Uh, Dr. James McClurg of Virginia, for example, who had served at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, was one of these. Another was Noah Webster. Uh, uh, yes, the, the, the fellow whose dictionary later became famous, the Webster Dictionary. Uh, Webster wrote an influential pamphlet strongly supporting the Constitution, but demanding that that proviso be removed. Well, the skeptical, the, 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 these people were very skeptical of giving the general government power to amend the legislation of the several states in, you know, with regard to elections. I mean, there's no better way to benefit an incumbent than to give the incumbent power to rewrite the elect, election laws. They knew that. Um, I mean, what, they worried that a congressman from Philadelphia, for example, might induce his colleagues in Congress to locate only one polling place in Pennsylvania, in the congressman's own neighborhood in Philadelphia, for example. That would create a tremendous hardship on all of the residents of Pennsylvania to have to travel to Philadelphia to cast a vote. That's a huge hardship. And they didn't want that to happen. They wanted the, the legislatures of the state to be in charge of that. Well, so because of this widespread concern about the proviso, Sam, advocates for the ratification of the U.S. Constitution, they assured the public that the Congress's power over congressional elections would be extremely limited. They said the proviso was designed only for emergencies. Alexander Conti Hansen of Maryland added this. He, he said that, Congress would exercise its times, places, and manner authority only in cases of invasion, legislative neglect, or obstinate refusal to pass election laws, or if a state crafted its election laws with a sinister purpose, or in a way to injure, injure the general government. It was never meant, he wrote, that Congress should at any time interfere unless on the failure of a state legislature or to alter such regulations as may be obviously improper, end of quote. So basically, Sam, if a state legislature provides for the election of U.S. senators and U.S. representatives in a manner that's fair and transparent and, you know, uh, so that all of its residents have access to do so to cast votes, then the Congress has no ability, the general government has no authority to alter the laws re regarding those elections, uh, they have no authority to come in and tell a state what to do. So there you have it, Sam. The Constitution um, 
that proviso in the Constitution on which most of H.R. 1 is founded was only intended to be used in times of emergency or, or if the legislature refused to pass reasonable laws. And we can see that that is not the case. In, in all 50 states, the laws are reasonable, and uh, Congress has no authority to come in and tell the states what to do in that case. Sam? That is correct. And that's part of the problem is that, you know, Richard Mack's um, Supreme Court case win really highlights that reality that there are dual sovereigns. And there's literally jurisdictional boundaries, and there is no authority for the feds to do this. But you know what? People don't understand the truth, and they let it happen all the time. And if you don't insist on your rights and understand your rights and claim and defend your rights, you will lose them. And that's what we really see going on here, folks. We need a call to action. We need to stop, quote, legalized plunder or legalized election theft in this case, ladies and gentlemen. you got to reject H.R. 1 and S. 1. That's for sure. Uh, you want a job, Lowell? Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Get a shot. That's what they're saying in, uh, you know, around the country. That's what they're hinting at. Ron Paul wrote a great column last week posted at campaignforliberty.org. He mentions that, uh, that, that that one family got kicked off of the Sprint Airlines flight because their four-year-old autistic son was not wearing a mask. The family was removed from the plane even though the boy's doctor had decided that the boy should be exempted from a mask mandate because he, he panics from a mask and then engages in behavior that is dangerous to himself. You, you, we've all seen the effects of autism on a person. I can understand that this young man, this four-year-old boy, you know, you cover up his face, he panics, and he might throw himself around bang his head on the wall and stuff like that because, you know, that's kind of what they do um, if autism is severe. So anyway, and, and besides that, Sam, four-year-olds do not present much risk of spreading or contracting the coronavirus in the first place. And so Ron Paul writes this. He says, quote, mass mandates have as much to do with health care as Transportation Security Administration, meaning the TSA, screenings have to do with stopping terrorism. Masks and TSA screenings are security theater done to reassure those frightened by government and media propaganda regarding coronavirus and terrorism that the government is protecting them, end of quote. Yeah, so it's just, it's just horrendous, the this, this theater that goes on. The TSA has been doing it for years as they grope and, and, uh, and, and image people going through the airport to board a plane, and now we've got theater going on with regard to the mask mandate. And so Ron Paul speculates that this COVID oppression will worsen if vaccine passports are implemented. What if you're denied access to a public place like a park or a sports arena because you have not gotten your shot? Now, we're still, he asks, what if a potential employer refuses to hire you unless you are properly vaccinated? Well, that's what proponents of the mandatory e-verify want. Um, and, uh, I, 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 you know, and Sam, I never did support mandatory e-verify. I never have supported it, especially if implemented as a federal program. I could go along with it if it were done by the states and they never shared their data with the feds, but I don't know. I just, I just never saw that happening, so I've never supported e-verify. 
Yeah, oh, I reject but... it on the state level as well because there's no authority mm-hmm. to collect information like that. And I know people say, well, the states have a lot more latitude than the feds do. Yes, they do. Uh, and I agree with that. And I agree with the separate jurisdictions. But I also agree a lot of people believe that the government, federal government by nature is bad government and the states are great government. And I find the states, for the most part, just as tyrannical as the federal government almost. So you better be careful of which government you love to employ, ladies and gentlemen. What I want to do is lock government down to its jurisdictional boundaries. And I want them to only carry out what we've given consent for them to carry out. And I repeat, nothing, nothing, nothing more. Quick pause. States do need just to say no, but they're not doing it because they're on the money gravy train. Quick pause. Lil Nelson on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The Suez Canal Authority says that salvage teams have partially refloated the colossal container ship ever given and reported that the ship has been corrected by 80% and freed from the shoreline. The ship is about as long as the Empire State Building is tall. From a media perspective, the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin will be the biggest trial of the streaming TV age. The trial gets underway Monday. WKRN reported at least four people have died after heavy rain caused flooding to reach record levels in Nashville, Tennessee. At least 130 people had to be rescued from flooded areas around Nashville. Nashville Mayor John Cooper told reporters at a news conference Sunday he signed local state of emergency to seek state and federal resources for recovery efforts in Davidson County. The NCAA men's basketball tournament continues tonight. Oregon State and Houston go at it at 7.15 p.m. Eastern on CBS. This is USA Radio News. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MetaShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MetaShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance, and MetaShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs. And because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by March 31st. You can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. As the Biden administration continues to censor the media from the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border, the calls for transparency grow louder. Jeremy Scott from the USA Radio News Bureau in Oregon reports. Trump says in his view the situation on the border with a surge of migrants, many of them unaccompanied children, will only get worse. He told Fox he's leaning towards taking a trip to the U.S.-Mexico border soon. The Border Patrol wants me to go. I don't think there's a rush for me to go. The visit is likely to come in the next couple of weeks. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tells Fox Fox News Sunday, the media will be allowed access to facilities on the border. We are mindful of the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic. We want to keep these kids safe, keep the staff safe. But we we are absolutely committed to transparency and providing access to media to the Border Patrol facilities. And we're working to get that done as soon as we can. President Biden has rolled back a number of key measures that the Trump administration implemented to enforce security along the southern border. President Biden, through executive order, removed the money to finish the border wall. 
USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, with me. We're talking about liberty. And, you know, I know a lot of people trust the states a lot more than the federal government. I personally am not one of them. Okay? You want a job? You got to get a shot, they're saying. Call to action. You know, they're literally passing these vote fraud laws. They committed vote fraud in the first place. Now they want to basically codify it uh, by law. And um, now they say the states just need to say no. Mike Meharia, the 10th Amendment Senator, is saying that. And I appreciate his point. And I get that there's a balance of power and there's uh, jurisdiction, there's delegated authority to different groups the state, the fed, the local, the, you know, I understand all that. But I find government just to be tyrannical wherever it's at, whenever it takes on anything that it doesn't have specific consent or authority to do, codified in uh, appropriate documents like the Constitution, whether it be the state and or the federal, etc. So we need to be really, really careful that we don't just have, you know, hear, make heroes out of state government, but yet enemies out of federal government. Uh, they both can get radically tyrannical in a second if you let them, lol. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam, and I don't uh, place much confidence in um, in state government uh, either, but, but I do more so than the general government. Um, the reason I say that is because the state government is closer to the people. It's, uh, you know, one person has more impact in his local city council elections, in other words, than he does in his county, and, 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 and he has more impact in the city than it does his state. He has more impact in the state than he does in the general government. Simply because it's a numbers game. You know, you just have more impact because there are fewer people involved in the election of your city council. There might be several hundred who vote for. for and the it's guys a proximity there, but, game too that they're closer to you literally physically. Yeah, exactly. And they're your neighbors more often. Your city council members are more likely to be your neighbors, and so you have more pull, more influence. And they're more likely to understand your situation and to empathize with it. And so that, that's why I, I do put more confidence. In, you know, I, I, I'm like Thomas Jefferson. Let no more be heard in confidence of men, but bind them down by change of the Constitution. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. But if, if I have to put confidence in one or the other, then, then I'll do it the more local the better. In fact, I put extreme confidence in local government when local government is self-government. That's the very best type of government, Sam. You and I both know that. If you and I govern ourselves, we have no need of external forces and influences to govern us if, if we'll simply govern ourselves. Um, and, you know, that's the very best government is, is self-government. But um, the, the point that Michael Meharry is making here in his article at the Tenth Amendment Center, TenthAmendmentCenter.com, is that, the, well, he, he, he talks about the, 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 the event in Tampa known as Gasparilla. Now, I, I never heard of this event. I watched a couple of videos about it. It's a huge event. They're celebrating the pirates coming to Florida, Tampa, and, and, um, and basically it's a reenactment, a parade involving uh, numerous weekends, numerous weeks. But basically they have events all during the first quarter of the year. They never had one in 21. This year it's been canceled because of COVID, but in 2020 that was their last one. Estimated over 300,000 people attended the event <laughs> in 
2020. Uh, parades, uh, floats, um, you know, uh, uh, beer parties at nighttime, uh, ch- children's parades in the daytime, fun runs, um, exercise things, uh, art shows, music shows, uh, just you, everything you can think of. Just a huge, huge celebration. This is called Gasparilla. And if you're listening and you live in Tampa, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, lots of people and lots of fun. Um, but there's a lot of lawbreaking that goes on, too. That's what Michael Meharry observed when he attended Gasparilla. Um, you know, uh, what, what kind of lawbreaking do we mean? Well, you know, a little bit of vandalism, lewd behavior, drunkenness, and so forth, all of these uh, common-sense property laws that get broken um, at, during this time. But there's, there's hundreds of cops there, but he, Michael Meharry observed they never made any arrests. Um, despite this, uh, you know, all this lawbreaking going on, and basically his point is is this uh, that in uh, uh, as more people ignore a command, then enforcement becomes increasingly difficult. In other words, a few hundred cops cannot enforce their will on 300,000 people, and herein lies the secret to nullification. Writes Michael Meharry, states don't have to actually do anything. They just have to stop helping the feds enforce the unconstitutional federal mandates and, um, and, and uh, unconstitutional federal programs, which is most of them, by the way. I, I, I just don't, I haven't met a federal program that's not unconstitutional. Um, the, and so these unconstitutional laws, they may remain on the books, but they become impossible to enforce. So for all practical purposes, Noncompliance renders them null, void, and of no effect. And that's what James Madison wrote in Federalist Number 46 when he wrote a refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union. Well, Madison and Jefferson agreed on this point, and when they wrote the resolves of 98 and 99 in Kentucky and for, for, for Virginia, re, respectively, that an officer, if an officer of the general government votes for a constitutional law that was unpopular, then the remedy is to vote him out of office, right? That's if they vote for a constitutional law that's unpopular. The remedy there is to vote him out of office. But if an officer of the union or of the general government votes for or administers an unconstitutional law, then the remedy is to nullify that law. They were very clear about this, very plain. Um, and, and so... Yeah, the National Governors Association understands this quite well. In 2013, for example, in the run-up to the government shutdown, the NGA wrote to congressional leadership begging them to avoid the shutdown, saying this, quote, states are partners with the federal government in implementing most federal programs, they wrote. A lack of certainty at the federal level from a a shutdown, uh, therefore, translates directly into uncertainty and instability at the state level. End of quote. <laughs> so did you catch that, Sam? They wrote most federal programs. What that means is that states can refuse to serve as partners in those federal programs and basically render them useless and null null and void, basically. So anyway, it's a great place. And uh, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with the principle that states do need to just say no. Michael Meharry's right about that. It proves nullification is a reality. 
Uh, saying yeah. that they serve as partners also means they can choose not to serve as partners. Uh, the state constitutions give um, a lot of uh, direction on what the states can and cannot do based on the delegated authority we the people have given them, as well as the federal government. There is a separation there. And I agree with the general principle the government that's closer to the people uh, is better. I agree with the smaller number of people. Hey, it's better because uh, you have a greater ability to influence. I support all that 100%. I guess where I want to be very careful is that we don't we don't lose sight of our obligation as citizens, okay? I, as an American citizen, need to understand what authority we delegated to them, okay? Governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. So I need to understand what I've consented to let my federal government, the general government, do. And I need to, to mandate that they do nothing more or less than what I've given them responsibility and in charge to do. Same thing with the states, okay? We need to be very careful that we only let them a- act within the scope of authority we have granted to them, that we've given to them uh, on loan, really, because we can always take it back. Never forget that reality either. So states have a, a responsibility to only do what we've consented them to do as well. By the, sen- by the consent of the governor, do they derive their just powers? So my only point is that I want people to understand what have we given the states to do? Is it everything? Can they just run around and do whatever they want? And the answer is not even maybe. So we fall into this trap when we go to the states because it's better than the federal government, I agree, for most things. But if we're not careful, what we do is just ignorantly turn over that same abuse to the state, and we're really no better off. So what we need to learn to do is jealously guard our liberties and understand jurisdictionally what we have given consent for them to do and demand they do nothing more or less than that very mandate by the will or the consent of the people. That's my main point, Lowell. Yeah, and I agree, Sam, totally agree. And I think that Ezra Taft Benson gave us the best test for the proper role of government when he said that if you have the authority to walk across the street and demand something of me, then government has that authority because the government can only get authority from us, the people. But if you do not have the moral authority to walk across the street and demand me uh, to do something, you know, compel specific performance or refrain from doing something, then neither does the government have that authority. So public schools, for example, do, do you have the moral authority to walk across the street and demand money from me to educate your children, Sam? Of course not. And that's one of the reasons that it's one of the tenth planks of the Communist Manifesto to mandate government education because it falls along the lines of tyrannical communist principles, not the principles of liberty, which America is known for. When we get back, we're going to compare and contrast two different states. Uh, How about Wisconsin and New York? Should we start there? All right, we'll do it in seconds with Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens. Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. 
but I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a little Nelson compare and contrast a couple of states to get an idea of what we're talking about. Lowell? Yeah, Wisconsin is the first state. The Wisconsin General Assembly, they approved legislation forbidding Wisconsin government officials from requiring individuals to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. And about this, Campaign for Liberty Chairman Ron Paul issued the following statement, quote, If governments can force individuals to receive vaccines and other medical treatments against their will, there is no area of life safe from government mandates. All who value liberty should celebrate the Wisconsin Assembly's passage of legislation forbidding government officials from mandating any individual receive the COVID vaccine, end of quote. And, of course, I would add this, Sam, all who value liberty should ask his own legislators to protect his right to choose whether to receive any medical treatment in his state. Now, contrast this in a situation in Wisconsin with the situation in New York, where Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, announced last week that New York has rolled out the nation's first COVID vaccine passport program with the introduction of what he calls the Excelsior Pass. And according to reports, the COVID-19 vaccine passport is already for use at dozens of venues statewide, including Madison Square Garden. And while advertised as a voluntary measure, the New York State officials are making it clear they're not participating in the program will result in an individual being essentially shut out from society. So there's the contrast, Sam. You've got Wisconsin on one hand saying, we're not going to force our citizens to take this COVID vaccine and New York, on the other hand, saying if you don't get the vaccine, you're not going to be allowed in the sports arena you know, and, and other public places. You know, sports arena is just one, one place. But, um, you know, how, how, how New York can be thought of as following the science is beyond me. But that's what they claim they're doing is thoughtful science-based reopening <laughs> by using this Excelsior Pass, this vaccine. And, Lowell, this is why I highlight. This is why I highlight so much that you can't just go, oh, if it's the state, it's okay. New York's flat out out of control. 
They've been given no consent at the federal level and or the state level to create these vaccination passports. There is no law. There's no constitutional provision on the federal or the state level. So don't be deceived into thinking that it's because of the state they can do it. We have never given them any consent to do it at all. Wisconsin's right. New York's flat out wrong. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam. Perfectly right. And by the way, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, to his great credit, has termed the idea of a vaccine passport as a misguided authoritarian idea, which you and I would both agree with Ron DeSantis on that point. But the governors of Illinois and Hawaii, well, they're more, they're, they're more like New York. They look favorably at the idea of a vaccine passport, unfortunately. And these states are not alone embracing, in embracing this uh, social credit score model. Several European Union members, several South American countries, and China and other nations are moving forward on their own vaccine passport system. So what are the legislators in your state going to do? Well, that's partially up to you, folks. And so that's why you need to contact your state legislators and demand that the state outlaw mandatory vaccinations. Sam, and my worry on this, by the way, after comparing and contrasting, I, I know there's some states that are leaning to, uh, toward this passport idea, uh, and there's those who are leaning against it. What I worry about the most, Sam, is that the politicians will crow about how they never passed a law requiring people get the vaccines, but through the force and the coercion of business regulation, Businesses will coerce their employees and their customers to get vaccinated in order to do business with them, in order to walk in and sit down in the Madison Square Garden, for example. And so the politicians won't take any of the blame for this mandatory vaccination idea. They'll blame it on the business. They'll say, well, the business, they have their private business. They can do what they want. If they require their people to be vaccinated, then they can, that's their choice, Right. And so the politicians that brought this on, the pharmaceutical companies that brought this on, they're going to skate free of the blame, and it's going to be the businessman who takes the blame on the chin. That's what I worry about, Sam. And understand, ladies and gentlemen, you know, fears of them holding you down and forcing the jab on you and stuff like that. I submit to you they're too smart. That's not going to happen. They know full well the second that happens widespread, you will get a revolt from the people. And so they're going to back into it slowly. They're going to start with the most liberal states. They're going to create trial balloons and pilot projects. And you know what? If you want to go to California, then you're going to have to do this. If you're going to want to do that. And it's all public-private partnership. It's fascism on steroids. Okay? Because what you have is, for example, Disney World now saying, hey, we have the right to do surveillance technology. Okay? They're literally saying because of the COVID now, we have the right to uh, use face recognition. So now you've got, you know, a public place. What? I guess it's not quite the happiest place on earth. It's second to California, right? But what they're literally doing, folks, is they're using private sector in conjunction with business. And just when you think you've got them stopped or that they won't focus on this, they double down. All right. So, for example, Arizona governor lifts mass mandates and all COVID restrictions. That's great. But again, 
New York launches nation's first vaccine passports. Los Angeles Unified School District being sued over mandatory vaccines. So the divide is on, but now Bill Gates. Daily pass software will allow kids to attend school. Bill's going to get into the business now with his software to determine, hey, have you complied? Florida, Magic Kingdom, says COVID-19 is reason to install facial recognition. Now, I look at that and I go, okay, so the governor is doing a good job saying, no, we're not going to mandate around here. But they're just using one of the biggest businesses, one of the most popular places to say, fine, we'll just surveil you. We'll find out what state you've come from, and then we'll start to apply pressure through the Magic Kingdom. Sounds like magic, doesn't it, Lowell? Yeah, it sure does. That's the coercive uh, and corrosive, <laughs> I might add, effect of the private partner, private-public partnerships. You get business to you do your, the dirty work for you um, so that you don't get blamed for it, Sam. Well, anyway, I bring that up because, look, they're going to make this very difficult. This is the battle of our lifetime over our liberty. And I think Ron Paul's right. You know what? They're taking away more liberty than you can possibly imagine, okay? There's no area of life safe if we let this go, folks. If they can use facial recognition, what they'll do with the facial recognition is track down the non-compliers, track down the insurrectionists, track down the, the people who are endangering the rest of society. See where this goes if you're not very careful? Wow. Yeah, it's, All right, it's, the Michigan... Yeah, yeah, you're, you're ahead, right, Will. Sam. It puts way too, way too much power in the hands of of the government uh, bureaucrats, and 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 uh, so again, I, I I echo your theme, which is that the we we the government only has the power that we the people have delegated to it, and the the people need to under you know legislators and county commissioners and city councilmen they need to understand the proper role of government, and that is that it only has the power that people have. And if people don't have the power, then neither does government. And so if you don't have the moral authority to walk across the street and require me to take the jab, then neither does government have that authority, nor does a business. And that that applies to the states too, ladies and gentlemen. Be very clear and understand that reality check. Now, final point, you know, the Capitol riots really served as a blueprint for them. They'll literally be able to use facial recognition, videos, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media services, and they're going to back that into now hunting you down. Okay, and when you start seeing facial recognition at Magic Kingdom, they will use that to hunt you down. You saw a real scary example of that uh, in Charlottesville. And you saw a real scary example of that at the Capitol. So beware, folks. That's why I brought up this Florida Magic Kingdom facial recognition stuff. Because of the cocoa, now they say they can build a database. Well, what's going to happen to that Disney-backed database? Are they going to use that then to tap into if the FBI asks for records? you think the Magic Kingdom is going to give it to them? You know, where does this all go, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm telling you right now, it goes to bureaucrats violating their authority on a scale you have never seen before all right let's go to the michigan pizzeria owner i guess she got uh, released from jail that's good news right yeah probably so you know we talked about this last week marlena pavlos 
Hackney, this 55-year-old woman who fled communism in her home country of Poland in 1983, arrived in America in 1988, became a citizen in 92, opened her business in Michigan as she worked toward achieving the American dream, Sam. She's a pizzeria owner, and uh, her place is packed all the time. She did close her restaurant for about three months during the second quarter of last year, which is when everyone else was evaluating the virulence of the virus and so forth. But then she decided that the governor had overstepped her bounds, and she reopened her business for uh, opened her restaurant for business. Well, the state of Michigan ordered her to close her enterprise earlier this year, and she refused. So they issued a, a warrant for her arrest, and she refused to turn herself in by March 18. And so police arrested her on Friday morning, March 19th, about 5.45 a.m. at a traffic stop. And her restaurant was packed that day, by the way, Friday. The day she was arrested, her restaurant was packed with people um, and, uh, you know, in support of her. And then on Monday, you know, well, and, and so that's where we left the story last, 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 uh, last week. Well, I just want to give you an update. On Monday, the Republican Party of Michigan held a press conference in front of her pizzeria and called on the attorney general there to release Pavlos Hackney from prison. One of the speakers, Senator Roger Victory, asked, why is there a resident of the state of Michigan currently in jail and the justification of her being in jail is simply operating her business? <laughs> Great question. Well, other lawmakers called on the Attorney General to investigate COVID deaths in nursing homes instead of shutting down Marlena's restaurant. They rightly said, speaking of checks and balances, that there was no process involved in shutting down Marlena's place and shutting down other restaurants in the state. And that's a great point, Sam. We really haven't focused on that very much, but there is no due process involved in shutting down these restaurants. And isn't this really a takings when the government can come along and say, you've got to close your business? That is a, dec a, a, a taking. It's a, it's a denial of your right to do business, Sam. And so, anyway, they, 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 her husband paid a fine, $15,000 fine, got her out of jail on Tuesday. So that's the update on Pablo Hackney. And um, we'll, we'll see where this goes from that. But we, we need more people like this, a courageous woman, Sam, standing up against the tyranny of the state. Sam? It's all about education. It's all about taking your sacred liberty seriously, ladies and gentlemen. For Lowell Nelson and Sam Bushman, thank you so much for listening. Lowell, we'll talk soon, my friend. We got it, Sam. Thank you. Campaignforliberty.org, his website, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net, our websites. For Sam and Lowell, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for March 29th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is hour two of two, and our goal always to protect life. 
liberty and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. The solutions are simple, ladies and gentlemen. Return to what made America great. The principles of the founding fathers are incredible. And uh, that is the great peaceful solutions we have to return to what made America great. In short, to preserve the nation, ladies and gentlemen, that is the goal. In fact, our guest, that is his lifetime goal, to preserve the nation in the traditions of our founding fathers. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com, with over a 1,000 videos and webinars and more. Weekly webinars take place now with Q&As on the Constitution and more. But you can also learn about and purchase his collegiate series to preserve the nation. Dr. Scott Bradley, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you very much. As always, it's good to have a uh, early morning on the first of the week gathering and kind of get people focused on an, an issue that ought to be on our minds all the time, I think, this idea of restoring the foundation. All right, I want to talk about three topics. They're all separate topics in one way, but they're all literally uh, identical topics in another way. It's about freedom from tyrannical, belligerent, out-of-control psychotic in many ways government dr bradley the first one show me your papers please yes indeed show me your papers please new york governor andrew cuomo announced that new york has rolled out the nation's first covid vaccine passport program it's the introduction of his new excelsior pass uh, is what they're calling an Excelsior Pass. They've now rolled it out in New York. In addition, they have literally National Guard members involved in the 12 airports in New York. Literally, the National Guard is helping screen people to make sure that people are compliant. And then they're using this um, Excelsior Pass now at all kinds of venues, not just pa- uh, airlines or you know airports and stuff, but they're using it at all kinds of venues, stadiums and da 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 we talked about it coming. Here it is, Doctor. You know, it's, there's so many things to pull on on this thing. Um, uh, obviously, uh, New York has uh, not fared well through the COVID thing. Uh, they have driven so many of their businesses out of the community with everything they've done. They're, and it, it didn't start just a year ago. It, this has been going on with tax structure and draconian government intervention on so many levels. And uh, I suspect that at some point there'll be just uh, denizens of the night left in the city because they have driven out all honorable people that have another option. And uh, hopefully they'll find that there is a price to be paid for draconian actions. But beyond this, too, it's kind of a refrain from, from Israel, what we're getting right now. Israel has, has basically, on a nationwide basis, implemented this kind of process. It is truly a... Uh, a socialistic welfare state, uh, collectivist view on things, where the state takes control of all things. And, and you know, you would think, you would think that the people of Israel would, would say, you know what, we've been down this path before, and it hasn't ever turned out happily for our people, meaning the people that live there and their, their uh, progenitors. And, and so, I mean, it's not just uh, the, the Hitlerish kind of thing. I mean, we're talking about whether it's uh, Nebuchadnezzar or Rome or, or whomever. But, um, but, but this Como thing, he's a megalomaniac. And uh, I cannot believe that uh, the, the state has not at this point said, you know what, we don't need any more of his nonsense. Uh, I mean, he's uh, 
arguably um, uh, one of the probably the most prolific serial killer in all of the history of the United States with, with the way he handled the things with the uh, people in, in the uh, rest homes. But, but truly, uh, this is a militaristic state. If you have the, I mean, you know, how far is this from the Brown Church or the Gestapo or whatever on street corners? You know, papers, papers. You know, you you think of those guys in in the uh, the uh, 30s and 40s in Germany. You think of the Stasi in uh, Germany. Also, after the you know the East German secret police, you think of the uh, uh, KGB. Uh, you think of the people that ran around in Saddam Hussein's uh, countryside. Uh, controlling and, and, and being tyrants over the people. I mean, this thing is just a replay, and, and it's astonishing to me that the people of New York have not decided it's time to dump this whole program and move ahead. So, yeah, this is uh, this is a development, and, and honestly, I, I suspect it'll spread before it uh, dies out. It will ultimately die out because tyranny is defeated ultimately, in every case, but not without a lot of difficulty for good people. So I think that, you know, what goes right now in Israel is going to go on in, in uh, New York, and what goes on in New York will go on in California. Um, but the, the concern I have is that both the East Bank and the Left Bank of the country is, are going to set the standard for, you know, people in the middle. Uh, Utah, for example, happens to have a very draconian perspective on these kinds of things, using... See, the governor, in, in the case of the last governor and in this one, too, they kind of, they're pilot. They're washing their hands before they sacrifice the lamb, if you will. Uh, they wash their hands saying, well, it's not us that's doing it. It's, a, it's the health department. And uh, I, I, had, I was speaking uh, midweek last week at an event uh, in Utah, and uh uh, I spoke about why the draconian uh, mandates were being carried out in, in just mom-and-pop kind of stores, you know, retail stores. And, and I outlined what I felt the scenario was. And afterwards, a woman that owned the store uh, came and told me it was exactly what had happened. Her store had been entered by the health department, and they had been told that unless they enforced the regulations and again, these are not these are not laws. These are mandates. These are imperial decrees, if you will. If they did not enforce these imperial decrees that are, do not have the force of law, they didn't go through a constitutional process or anything. But they had been given these laws, if you will. And law is whatever is enforced as such upon the people, although not righteously. If they did not enforce these mandates, that their store would be fined $10,000 a day and ultimately lose their license. And so that caused them to be the Gestapo, the uh, enforcers, the policy implementers for this uh, bureaucracy that has no legal authority to do anything. And it's kind of reminiscent, uh, you know, I mean, these guys in the bureaucracy say, well, we're just following orders from, from what the law says. Well, the law doesn't say, but they... They twist it and spin it to the point that they think they have unlimited power. And, uh, and by the way, your your readers ought to review a little bit of the trial of uh, Adolf Eichmann in Israel. Um, he was the guy that was the train master, if you will, under Hitler. 
he was a dull, drab, gray bureaucrat that um, he, he kind of scheduled the trains that took the Jews to their uh, concentration points where they were then put to death. And his uh, defense was, well, I was just following orders. And uh, there's a book out by the uh, name of a, a woman by the name of Hannah Arendt. She wrote it back in about 1962, I think. At any rate, it's, it's called The Banality of Evil. You know, banality is the utter mundaneness of evil. And how this dull, drab, gray bureaucrat had performed such a heinous crime against humanity. And, and he was probably, to this date, probably one of the most studied individuals in terms of psychology and sociology and everything like that that's ever been on in, you know, a live human being. And, uh, what these, this, those individuals that studied him and, you know, interviewed him and everything, they say he was probably one of the most normal individuals you'd ever meet. He was affable. He, you know, enjoyed conversation. He loved his family. He was, uh, you know, very interactive and everything like that, but he had this uh, little flaw that he would carry out evil things. And it seems to me like people today need to recognize this. As individuals start to recognize that we do not carry out things that have these draconian outcomes. And I've lectured around the country at different places, not so popular right now, <laughs> about constitutional law, constitutional orders, legal and lawful orders before military organizations. And, um, and, and the, the law truly protects the individual soldier right down to the lowest level uh, to prevent them from being compelled to carry out uh, things that violate the Constitution and legality. And I've had yeah, the problem is most of them don't. The the problem is most of them don't know it, so they can't defend against it. They just feel like they have to go along. Michael knew uh, many, many, many years ago was a stand-up guy that really articulated that, and they certainly abused him hard. Even though he shouldn't be forced to subscribe to some of these things, they literally blackballed him and caused him a lot of trouble. And so, unless enough Americans stand up, individuals seem to get steamrolled. But not only is it a problem where Andrew Cuomo is literally, show me your papers, please, and they're creating this vaccine, um, whatever you want to call it, passport or whatever. People used to think the real ID was a big threat back in the day, and now this real ID has been kind of codified backdoor, and now that they're going to put the vaccine health records behind it, you ain't seen nothing yet into the dereliction of duty these bureaucrats will get into and the hostility in which they will carry out their tyrannical abuses of the people. Combine that. With the Magic Kingdom and a couple of other tidbits. And I'm telling you right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. We'll talk about it with Dr. Scott Bradley in seconds. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is, again, the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, 
I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit to PreserveTheNation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this tyrannical edict from the whacked-out Governor Cuomo of New York. States just need to say no, says Mike Meharry of the Tenth Amendment Foundation. And I agree with the general point, but look, states are as tyrannical as the federal government, ladies and gentlemen. I get that the states are closer to the people, and people kind of think the federal government's evil and the states are good, but it's not necessarily true. you got to step back and look at we the people have given certain consent. By the consent of the governed, do governments derive their just powers? We didn't give consent to any state to say you can create a federal or a state. I say federal because, hey, where will the data really go in New York? Anyway, they're creating this database that will make the Real ID Act look like a child's play database. And now they're going to do it by a COVID vaccine passport. So not only is it an ID tied to who knows what, eventually your driver's license, your social security stuff, your medical records, all rolled into one. Show me your papers, please. Where will that go? But now, private sector businesses are being brought in uh, in a very bold way as well. It's like fascism on steroids. Here's the headline, Dr. Bradley, to go along with this. Florida, Magic Kingdom, says COVID-19 is reason to install facial recognition. So now you get this facial recognition, and the Capitol riots on January 6th kind of solidifies the playbook. They will literally use that facial recognition in that database now to hunt you down across the country for whatever perceived violation you may have committed, sir. There will be nobody untouched. And where will that database from the Magic Kingdom go with the database of New York go? And now Bill Gates. Don't worry. He's going to make sure that he'll use his applications to make sure your kids can go to the government schools. You put all these together and you go, whoa, hold on just a minute, doctor. You know, it's it's something that unbeknownst to probably most Americans, and, and you know, who would think? I mean, most of us are, are just, you know, hey, we want to go through our lives, take care of our families, do our jobs, 
you know, go out and take a hike or, or go to the zoo or whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And most people don't think about this, but this thing has been underway. It's been, it's way down the road now. Some decades ago, literally, in Utah, Utah was selling a database of, of uh, officially taken photographs of people, you know, for driver license or, or ID cards or something like that, and uh, selling it to private industry to be able to do just this thing, begin moving towards a fully functioning facial recognition program. And, and we, are, we are years into this thing. And the technology has been uh, advanced and, and honed, uh, and, and now I guess they're figuring it's, uh, it's ready to roll it out. And, um, and, and we as Americans should be absolutely appalled, shocked, and chagrined to think that, that those trusted representatives that we have are using this for such uh, benign ways. Oh, yes, we'll never use this wrong or whatever. But, but you're right. This is going to get into multiple different hands, and you say, well, government can be trusted with it. What? My opinion, they're the ones that can be least trusted with it. But beyond that, too, it will get into the hands of, of others um, that will, uh, you know, be able to use it for commercial purposes. I mean, the, the Chamber of Commerce will probably be in favor of it so they can do marketing to people as they enter stores, and, and they're going to sell some brand of, of uh, toothpaste or, or clothing or something like that based upon your facial recognition that's tied into a database that ultimately and finally, uh, you know, does a, a full workup on, on you, and, and they can they can play to that. You get it on the Internet already. Um, where you Yeah, uh, you're one of those wackos that doesn't believe in fluoride in the toothpaste there. We better market you the non-fluoride toothpaste <laughs> uh, there, Scott. And, and, you know, that's kind of the, the stuff we're talking about, right? Well, it, it must be. I mean, I don't know exactly all the applications that will be given, but I, I'll tell you a little story. Um, and I don't know the origins of this. It might be my political uh, rantings. I don't know. People... Uh, I mean, I have been, uh, you know, there's been t- people that have, I've gone to introduce myself and they've said, we know who you are, you know, kind of thing. And, and I, you go, whoa, how do you do that? Anyway, maybe it was a newspaper article they read. But a couple of events that I have been to in the last, well, the most recent one was probably about five years ago because I don't go to a lot of these things. I have just said I do not even consider these things to be worthy of my time. But a, a couple of major events. One of them was was a it was an event, but I was going with my grandchildren to Disneyland, and uh, you know you go through the uh, it's not just going through the turnstiles after you bought your ticket. Now you go through security and so on. And I got pulled aside for additional security. Uh, they they checked me out. Now maybe I'm an ugly guy, and maybe I look uh, threatening or dangerous or something like that. I don't know. I, I try to be a good guy and, and uh, never involve myself in anything that's hurtful. But but to get pulled aside by the Disneyland security people as I came into the park was one of the things that happened. That was probably five years ago to me. And um, and so uh, th- this kind of stuff, I don't know how they profiled me or whatever they did, but I have even been to a major uh, religious event one time that that happened to me. And I had VIP tickets to get in, so to speak. I mean, it wasn't like I bought tickets or anything like that, but I'm invited to a VIP kind of entry and everything like that. And of our whole group, 
I was the only one that was uh, pulled aside for additional security. And I think, oh, and what were the what were the reasons? What were they saying? The reasons or excuses were on this, doctor. There's no there's no reason given. There's just and it's a happy smiling face. You know the the teeth show. You know, uh, one of my daughters many many years ago had a Chihuahua dog that it bared its teeth at you every time it saw you. It was in in my opinion as an adult, I saw it as a threatening thing. But my littlest grandchildren said, "Oh, every time it sees us, it's smiling." <laughs> Well, they, the teeth can be used for uh, to show a smile, but it, it was a threatening. They, some of those little dogs are very kind of high-strung and worried. But at any rate, uh, sure, there was a smiling, affable kind of person that that wanted to, you know, check underneath my clothes and, and pat me down and all this kind of stuff um, as I came through. And I'd been through all of the. Uh, the rigmarole, the sensors and everything like that, empty the pockets, show inside your pack, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so, no, it's, this has been going on a long time. It's going to get even more intense, I suspect. And the fact that they're bringing in the military, and that kind of ties into what I've, I, I mentioned earlier, um, was that in my uh, presentations to military organizations, I have, I've seen a full spectrum of uh, commanding officers that are very supportive of constitutional, legal, lawful orders, and, and they want their people to understand the limits and bounds. And there have been others that absolutely, unequivocally, are totally against anybody having any information that way. And, in fact, I had one 05, that's a lieutenant colonel, tell me that his 06, a colonel, had told him that regardless of what the order was, and uh, he said that if you will not instantly obey whatever I command you to do, I want your resignation on my desk today, now. And uh, and so we have a whole spectrum of military personnel. Now, I've got a, a good friend that's a retired senior officer in intelligence. Um, he's, he's, he tells me that uh, many of the people that were in the military with him uh, say that the day that the military lost its bearings was was uh, January 20th, 1993. That's when it really started going off the rails. And if you go back and think that, well, when, what, what, huh? Well, that was the day Bill Clinton was sworn in, and uh, and and I took <laughs> the oath, if you will, when I joined as a young fellow. Uh, and uh, it says you're going to uphold the Constitution and protect it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a frangible oath. It's not something that after a while expires or breaks down or anything like that. It's an oath that I've taken for life to protect the, that, you know, charter of our liberty. But many of those that have come in now have become so completely. Oh, the political correctness, the woke generation, and I mean, you've seen things in in West Point, for example, those female cadets that uh, that you know held up the Marxist fist, you know, in their uh, photos that they had, and it's just appalling to me. But the military really does need to do a recalibration on on what its purpose is, and uh, and what the oath really has been. And by the way, the oath has been modified over the years to the point that um, it's it's been weakened in my opinion so I'm so a national idea on steroids the- ladies and gentlemen a national idea on steroids backed by government 
backed by big companies doing surveillance on the people, the military involved, the searching and hunting you down by facial recognition, part of the mix. And I got one more headline to kind of throw into the mix for discussion with a good Dr. Scott Bradley. Freedomsrisingsun.com in seconds on your radio. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. White House says the number of unaccompanied children crossing the border could jump up from more than 16,000 this month to as many as 26,000 in September. No one knows for sure as the Biden administration continues to censor the media from border facilities. The White House is working on a COVID-19 vaccine passport initiative that could be required for travel, sporting events, and even eating out. The report comes as major U.S. airlines and nearly 30 travel and labor groups are pushing President Biden to develop a standardized government-backed credential. Two girls ages 13 and 15 were charged with the murder and carjacking of a Pakistani immigrant killed last week while delivering food in Washington, D.C. Muhammad Anwar, 66, died when police said the girls, armed with a taser, sped off with his car as he clung to the driver's side door with the door open. It crashed seconds later outside the ballpark to the Washington Nationals. Mr. Anwar died at the scene. USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allyn Root Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. More free money, more fraud. Dan Araki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau reports. The Senate voted last week to extend the Paycheck Protection Program through the end of May, as thousands of small businesses are still looking for help to weather the pandemic. But a House subcommittee has also found evidence of mismanagement of the program that led to billions of dollars of fraud. The House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus says there may have been as much as $84 billion worth of fraudulent loans from the PPP. Representative Raja Krishnamurthy says that Congress tried to make it easy for businesses to get the help they needed. But the Illinois Democrat tells CBS News that additional resources will be needed to make sure that those loans reach the businesses that truly need help and not fraudsters. Now, going forward, we have to root out the fraud. So we've provided additional resources uh, within the American Rescue Plan uh, to allow inspectors general as well as the Department of Justice to criminally go after these fraudsters. Um, and we need to put in controls to prevent this from happening again as well. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the sacred cause of liberty, and we're telling you that the states are many times as tyrannical as the federal government. Look at Florida, for example. The governor's trying to do what's right, uh, Ron DeSantis, but yet 
the Magic Kingdom says, hey, COVID uh, is a great excuse for putting in facial recognition. Then you look at show me your papers, please. Whacked out pervert sexual predator Cuomo announced that New York has rolled out now the first what they call the uh, COVID-19 vaccine passport. They're calling it the Excelsior Pass. But bottom line is it's real ID on steroids tied in with who knows what. Eventually, you'll have a mixing between your gun firearm database, your driver's license database, your voting database, uh, your medical database, your social security database, your, oh, well, then it'll, they'll just put the private sector in there, your facial recognition database through the uh, Magic Kingdom scenario, happiest place on surveillance, I mean, on earth, right? What? That's where we're headed. Sad to say that's where we're going now. Add to this the mix. I mentioned to you that back in January the 6th, they literally used it as a way to say, look, let's, let's scour through Facebook and Twitter, all social media accounts, through everything we can, through video, through surveillance, through YouTube, Facebook, everything, and we're going to then hunt you down. If you were there, we're going to know about it. We're going to hunt you down. And at first glance, you could say, well, man, there was an insurrection at the Capitol. By golly, they had to do that. you got to stop the bad guy. No, no, no. They're literally creating a dragnet of psychotic surveillance proportions. Here's the latest. Remember I told you not so fast on the January 6th Capitol stuff? I said it wasn't good Trump supporters. Most of them went home. Most of them were peaceful. There was a few insurrectionists there. There was a few violent people there. No doubt about that. But they weren't the masses like they want you to believe. They want everyone to be blackballed into this dragnet narrative, right? There were the few. Here's the proof. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. FBI and the Department of Homeland Security tried to recruit former Green Beret and Special Forces Master Sergeant Jeremy Brown. They tried to uh, recruit him to infiltrate and spy on Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Yeah, the FBI did that. The Homeland Security um, tried to do this. He refused, by the way, and he recorded the whole conversation. It's all on tape, ladies and gentlemen. So this is an example where now you get this strange narrative where, wait a minute, it was a bunch of Trump supporter wackos. Now, Trump doesn't have any charges filed against him at all, which means they don't have anything on President Trump. They're just making these strange allegations. We find out they lied And even in the impeachment trial, they used those false narrative fake news lies in the news to really ratchet up the attack on President Trump that he caused all this trouble. But the fact is the narrative fell apart, and Trump has no charges against him whatsoever. All right, but now we find out that there's an infiltrator from the FBI. Who did they get to infiltrate? If this one guy they tried to get to refused, who did they get? Who did the FBI and the DHS get? The Green Beret Special Forces Master Sergeant refused. Jeremy Brown, he recorded it all on tape so that you don't question him. He can prove it. But here's the question. Who did they get to recruit? And why are they recruiting people to internally spy on organizations? Right? You've got a very serious narrative there. And when they're literally now hunting down people. and uh, Okay, but every false flag operation, Dr. Bradley, that we've seen, They say we're into conspiracy theory, but every time we find out government provocateurs, agent provocateurs, uh, internal uh, infiltration groups and spies are in the mix, 
That was the same thing with the Ammon Bundy situation, where Ammon Bundy spent two years in prison and was guilty in the end of nothing. And the only people that were really abused by the courts was when the judge said, hey, the FBI and the, uh, these groups created treason. Oh, I'm sorry, they didn't create treason, the court said. They just lied to the court and perjured themselves, and they withheld exculpatory evidence, and it was so egregious they threw out the whole case. Of course, nobody got in trouble. But I, but I bring all this up because you find out every time something goes off the rails and they blame it on the people or insurrectionists, it turns out the government's right in the center of it somehow every single time, doctor. Well, you're absolutely correct. I, I mean, I, I don't know how far back your listeners' uh, attention span on this thing goes, but let's just go back at least until uh, Ruby Ridge and Randy Weaver. I mean, he was originally approached. Uh, by federal agents to um, to rat out, if you will, some of the people that they felt he was associating with in regards to, you know, a white supremacist kind of group uh, up in that area where he was where, where he was living. Then and because he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Then they then they set him up for the fall on a a short barrel shotgun, you know, in, in violation that supposedly violated the uh, National Firearms Act of 1934. But uh, when when he continued to not capitulate, they ended up sending federal forces in and assassinating part of his family, and um, uh, they falsified evidence. Uh, when Jerry Spence did the defense of Randy Weaver, uh, what was found was that, that they planted evidence. I mean, this whole thing smelled to high heaven from the very get-go on the whole thing. Um, there was There was nothing ever that was right about this thing. You look at what happened in the, uh, the Oak City bombing, the Oklahoma City bombings where um, Timothy McVeigh and, and his buddy that couldn't set off a firecracker in the backyard without help supposedly um, set off a, a – uh, they detonated a, a rider truck that was filled with explosives that, that literally, if you know anything about explosive devices, it used reflective technology that was way beyond – you know, the, the skill of an 11 Bravo kind of infantry guy um, to to force a blast the way it does. We, we, we have very strong evidence that we're pre-set charges in there. I mean, you look at every single stinking pla- pathway they've gone down, the Mueller uh, refuge thing that you talked about with the Bundys and, you know, Lavoie Finnicum was assassinated by... Uh, officers, and I'm not sure it was just federal. They might have been state officers. I think that's being heard, uh, uh, you know, even as we speak. But um, And that's why I warn against putting too much trust in the states as well, ladies and gentlemen. Well, absolutely. You look at uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence and, um, you know, the uh, all men are created equal kind of thing, and they're endowed by their creator with uh, uh, inalienable rights. After mentioning a few of says the purpose of government is to secure those rights. There is not a boundary on that. There is not a, oh, oh at the general level, the national level, uh, oh, yeah, that, that, that's what government's for is to protect God-given rights. Or it, it's across the board. It goes from your lowest level municipality. Um, look at any organization, your health department. If they are an agent of the government, they have a responsibility to protect individual rights. And what Americans don't seem to understand is this uh, Declaration of Independence is is basically the promise that was made 
that, that this is what proper government should do, and we have abandoned that almost across the board at every level, and uh, uh, those that are least qualified to lead are called upon often uh, to do so because we simply uh, we put too much trust in it. Oh, let's get, give it to somebody else. So we've got uh, a, a very high percentage. Now, there's a few very rare exceptions, but a very high percentage of incompetence that are incapable of, of uh, appropriately governing that are now doing things. And it's from the highest level of this land now, sitting in office, we have a doddering individual that uh, that handlers are running him, and he's doing things like wanting to put um, firearms uh, things together in terms of confiscating firearms on a nationwide basis based upon uh, things that completely violate due process and the Second Amendment and, and all Americanist principles. And, and it's not just guns, and it's not just... Um, uh, vaccines or anything. This is across the board. It, we are in a, I say often, a hinge point in America now where because we have abandoned principle, we are we're in danger truly of losing this nation. So it's time for Americans to wake up. It truly is. Well, and when you look every single time, if we're patient, whenever something bad happens, you go, Wait a minute, and now you got these shootings that are happening on mass scale. As soon as Biden takes over, the shootings increase big time. And you go, you know what? Are those provocateur moments as well? And you, then when you study, you find out psychotropic drugs are involved. Or you find out, oh, he was meeting with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Or, oh, the FBI was aware of this guy and knew that he was mentally ill and knew about his beliefs on things. Or, in other words, there's always this tie that makes you go, man, this isn't spontaneous. This isn't naturally occurring, or whatever you want to say. This is provocateur action. From the COVID to Ammon Bundy to Randy Weaver to the Branch Davidians. When I can go on and on and on. And which ones are unfolding before our very eyes right this second? January 6th? Wow. Hang tight, Dr. Bradley, with me. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing 
countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. So, Dr. Bradley, I see that, you know what, even in these modern examples, January the 6th, there's all kinds of debates on the timeline. There's all kinds of debates about who was there. Turns out the cops, the FBI, everybody and their dog was told, even Parler, a social media service, told the government there was going to be problems. The government ignored all of it. Then it all went wrong, and they blamed it on Trump, right when Trump was trying to find out about election fraud. And then, hey, now no one's talking about election fraud really at all. Amazing stuff. False flags. I mean, you don't want to just dive into conspiracy and say everything's a false flag. At the same time, it's hard to really believe that it's not when you get so many conflicting, unique details that make you go, wow. I didn't know the FBI and the Homeland Security literally went to a a lead military guy and said, hey, let's infiltrate these groups. But yet they say they didn't know anything bad was going to happen. How dumb am I, Dr. Bradley? (laughs) Well, I'm not going to make a judgment on on your intelligence level. I would say you're pretty high up there. Uh, But but let's just talk about something for a second. I mean, you touched on it very briefly. Some years ago, I wrote a, a resolution for a political organization um, about a, uh, a class or, or family of drugs called selective serotonin reuptake indicators, SSRIs. And you could probably name some of these things. There's always a, a bunch of them coming on the marketplace. And if you listen to television ever, you've got advertisements for these that uh, they're going to make you happy and everything's good in your life. But the side effects that they uh, intone on the on the commercial talks about, you know, killing your spouse and stuff like that as a possible side effect. But it's very interesting to me that this class of drugs, and, and now they've been very careful in recent times to not bring forth what used to be more readily available, the individuals that, that are on these things are involved in these mass shootings, you know, that you mentioned, and, and, and really... Within recent decades, you know, Columbine High School, Sandy Hook thing, the Aurora Theater shooting, all of these kind of things. In every case that we have ever gotten the information, individuals have been on these things. And, and these uh, drugs, uh, if, if you're going to ban anything, it would seem very appropriate to me. You know, you, you look at the commonality, you see, oh, there are guns involved. Well, the guns were not what caused anything. It was the use of something and the mental state of some individual. And if these, these type of, uh, uh, you know, selective serotonin reuptake indicators, SSRIs, are always in the mix, it ought to be something that we ought to think about. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a cause and effect kind of thing. Uh, that, that's involved in these kinds of things. And I, uh, 
And I wonder somehow if they don't get individuals that are kind of at a tipping point, they're on these things, they know that they are kind of have a propensity to move in uh, kind of really questionable ways, and, and they, they don't manipulate and carry out these things. So it's not just provocateurs they put in there that ultimately and finally cause, you know, like we could name innumerable kinds of instances where these people were there encouraging bombings or assassinations or kidnappings or whatever um, that were actually government agents that pushed people that direction. But there's also some of these uh, prescription-type drugs that, uh, in the cases that we know about, and again, they're protecting these a lot. It's funny. They want to know our whole vaccination history, our political history, our our, uh, financial history, everything like that. They want to have that on some kind of dossier, but they're hiding from us these SSRI kinds of connections. And, and again, there's, it's a whole broad spectrum of, of family of drugs um, that, uh, that I think can be to brought to the forefront, too. I think it's very dangerous, some of the avenues that we're following right now, that, that we're messing with stuff that we ought not be messing with. And, and again, I think this, this family of drugs has got so many risks that maybe it ought to be in the same class as the so-called vaccine, that we don't know whether it's safe or not or whether it's got long-term well, adverse effects or, or how it's for going this, to ultimately find me. You ready for this? Now they say KSL News TV is reporting early studies, antidepressant drug fluvoxamine, that's a generic drug, by the way, helping with COVID-19. Recovery. Research at the University of Utah believe the drug works and are now working on studies that document the remarkable results of two earlier trials. So they believe that the drug developed 40 years ago as an antidepressant can be used to stop the cocoa. They say it's safe. Don't worry, doctor. They say we need a drug that stops people from getting sick. When they get COVID, and that's what we're hoping that Fluvoxamine will do, this doctor says. Well, I, I can't help crazy. but wonder if if the assistance, this so-called, um, well, I don't know, antidepressant, whatever it is, is giving, is helping people recover from uh, the depression that has been caused by government action, inappropriate action, by the way, unconstitutional action, violates everything, I mean, from habeas corpus to lack of due process to, I mean, everything, um, shutting down businesses, I mean, Article 1, Section 10, I mean, holy cow. At any rate, maybe this thing is found to be beneficial because it helps people overcome depression, but in reality, it is simply another SOMA. You know, the remember SOMA from uh, Aldous Huxley's a book, Brave New World, uh, we in America have, have adopted uh, SOMA. As, uh, and there's a whole spectrum of families of these things where everybody's got to be on their designer drug that makes them feel good and happy and they'll, they'll go along to get along. And, you know, every, every government program and official that comes along, they're compliant to. Uh, I, I just think we have... We've yeah, the Rolling Stones back in the day... The Rolling Stones back in the day called it Mother's Little Helper there, Dr. Bradley. Well, everybody's looking for a shortcut. 
and 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 really life life needs to be faced. I think God put us on the earth so that we could figure out uh, what kind of person we were and are. I think He already knew when He put us here, but um, but if if all we're doing is uh, masking and uh, trying to cover up and and ducking and dodging every responsibility we have. I think we're we're missing out on life, and and again, I, I we, it seems like we always swing around somewhere in this, circle into the the kind of the wagons where where God's involved, but everything we're doing is off track. I mean, think about this: we have we have these mass shootings, and they want to remove a God-given right, individual God-given right, to protect ourselves and our families and our country. I mean, our community, everything. And, and so they're taking that away because somebody else went out and violated not only God's commandment, but mankind's commandment. And, and you know, this uh, injunction against murder, for example. There, there is never an incidence of these mass shootings where they did not violate not only God's law, but every other human law that's out there. And you're saying one more law, one more approach, one more common sense law, which is really just an interim step to full... Uh, denial of of this individual God-given right. Well, there, there's we're hacking at the leaves when the real basis of this is how we've left uh, our true purpose in this life, and and uh, so we always circle around to this thing as trying to figure out, um, you know, what this thing's all about, and it and it in, in, engages God in that. It has to. We have Amen to, to do that. that. In fact. In fact, they're trying to take away that directive of you and I trying to return to God to try to help pray and work hard and trust in God and repent and do all these things to, to really, that to me is the grandmother of all solutions is turn back to God and repent. I mean, other things are downstream from that, but without that quintessential fundamental move, we will not change anything long term. We might stop gap measure things with other ideas, but unless we turn to God and repent, I'm telling you right now, we're in trouble because as long as we turn our back on the author of liberty, we cannot receive the blessings. He's told us what to do to receive his blessings and his protection, and, and, and it's very clear to keep his commandments. But the reason I mention this is that latest headline says this, Maine, meaning the state of Maine. I told you to be careful of the states too. Federal government's tyrannical, but the states are getting just as abusive of power. But Maine, the state of Maine, Maine church case goes to SCOTUS or to the Supreme Court. Turns out that Maine now has the most severe restrictions in the nation on places of worship, doctor. Well, this is, this is uh, yeah, a, a little brush fire here and there, and Maine's uh, kind of on the periphery, but, but they're trying to do this at the national level. And, uh, and the idea that um, uh, they can intervene at all in these religious situations is, is completely in violation of the original intent of the American Founding Fathers. But uh, we've talked about this before, where institutions, uh, religious institutions, are ready to protect their own bacon and say, oh, no, 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 you... you we need to have our institutional formulaic worship, but they don't give a hang about an individual's um, conscience and belief system. And, and, uh, and so there's, there's religious institutions that are actually facilitating this thing as long as they receive a pass. 
So what they're doing is kind of like Hitler and Munich and all that kind of stuff. And Chamberlain says, we've, we've obtained peace in our time, where, where Chamberlain gave away that which was not his to give away. And do we know how that turned out happily ever so after? So what you get the is sell the rest. Is, what you get is sell the rest down the river, but protect me. And what they'll find out is they will sell the rest down the river. But then your protection will eventually go away too, because the weight of the abuses will be too great. And where you thought you eked out a protect, uh, protection, you got betrayed. That's what'll happen. That's right. You'll, there'll be no shelter for the religious institutions. They're very short-sighted in what they're doing. But but what is before? Congress right now, as we speak, is uh, laws that will say, oh, if you are a religious person and you own a business, you can't give a non-abortion providing um, health care plan to your people because they have to have their rights to kill their baby protected and you have to pay for it. And, and this is so they take it into the marketplace or individual uh, our ability to even have a conscience anymore is being impinged upon by government, but, but it really sickens me. It, it angers me to think that there are institutions out there that are saying, we're okay with this as long as you make sure we can do our formulaic worship in our buildings and, and in our, our um, institution. And, and if they don't wake up, they are going to find that all the protections, the shelter that they have operated under, are all going to be gone by the time that, uh, that they come for them. And so we Ladies need and gentlemen, if you trade recognize... your security, if you trade your security, I'm sorry, your liberty for security, you're going to wind up with neither. Okay, and if you think that you can throw somebody else under the bus and preserve your rights or your special privilege before government, eventually they'll come back for you. They'll take what you give them, but they'll eventually circle back and you will lose your, um, your protections and your, quote, privilege as well. Beware. We need to stand with God, family, and country. Stand with the founding fathers. They were wise and careful. And the only way for us to do the same is to carry forward their legacy and turn to God, family, and country. Dr. Bradley, thank you, sir. Well, thank you for the opportunity to um, share some of these magnificent principles. God save the Republic of the United States of America.